good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from sunny and warm Southern California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fulwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem. And it's cool out, and I love autumn, so this is one of my favorite days. Mm, this is Seth Rodney. I'm a senior editor at the Hyperallergic Arts Blog. And I'm coming to you from the South Bronx, and I'm experiencing the same weather as Stephen, um, although for me, the fall is a little more challenging because I want to sleep a lot longer. Mm. So this was one of my mm. sleepy days. The bear. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to uh, say hibernate, maybe. <laughs> uh, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And a brief announcement that our other host, uh, Sarah Bond, will be with us uh, for the next couple of podcasts, uh, not because she doesn't want to be, but because of uh, an overwhelming number of uh, personal, professional uh, responsibilities. So we'll welcome her back very soon. And we are continuing our discussion uh, of the 1619 Project. And we're going to talk about food today, kind of broadly speaking, in, in terms probably using, you know, the cultivation of sugar as a jumping off point, mm. obviously, uh, very tightly tied to um, the history of slavery in the Atlantic and in, in the United States. Uh, but I'm sure the conversation will go other places as well. So, Seth or Stephen, do you, when you guys want to jump in about sugar? <laughs> well, I can, I can, because I have in the last few years had a kind of crisis around sugar, a health mm-hmm. kind of crisis, low key. Like I'm not, never, not, not in danger of being hospitalized or anything. But um, mm-hmm. one of the things that comes out of the 1619 project is uh, an essay by Khalil Gibran Mohammed, which begins, the sugar that saturates the American diet has a barbaric history mm-hmm. as the quote-unquote white gold that fueled mm-hmm. slavery. But then he goes mm-hmm. on to talk about the ways in which sugar has become such a part of the American diet that it has led to a kind of general crisis in that. Uh, and I'm quoting from the piece here. If it is killing us all, if it is killing all of us, rather, it is killing black people faster. Over the last 30 years, the rate of mm-hmm. Americans who are obese or overweight grew 27% among all adults to 71% from 56%, according to the Centers for Disease Control, with African Americans overrepresented in the national figures. So a few years ago, when I was still in the process of working on a PhD, I had Bless Obamacare. I had managed to get insurance when I really couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. thus was able to see the doctor and get actually really good professional care. I mean, when I, when I say I couldn't afford it, just for the listeners, I want y'all to understand. I was making less than $16,000 a year. I think at the, I think before mm-hmm. I started working at Hyperallergic um, on staff, um, that was a high point for me for like the for, for, within the previous ten years. So mm-hmm. poor, but I got a checkup and my doctor told me that my uh, glucose levels were elevated, and I scheduled an appointment with a nutritionist. I think it was the same day. Saw so the nutritionist, mm. and she was very sort of alarmist. She was like, "Hey, you're pre-diabetic. You're in this range. You really need to change your diet. You mm. really need to be serious about this." And I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, all hands on deck. Okay, I'm, I'm with you." Mm-hmm. So she talked about <laughs> portions, and she talked about protein portions, how much meat am I having, and looking at how much meat I'm having in each 
um, meal, lunch, and dinner. Um, um, what portion of, of, of the meal is vegetables? What portion are starches? And for the uninitiated, starches essentially devolve the majority of starches. Potatoes are kind of different um, depending on how they're prepared. If you cook potatoes and you eat them warm without chilling them first, then they d- eventually devolve to sh- basic sugars in your bloodstream. They're monosaccharides. That, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you chill them first, then they become, a, they, they chemically change to something else. And they actually become a kind of, um, what's it called? I actually take this as a dietary supplement now. Anyway, they're in mm-hmm. the, the science lesson. Essentially, what I had to do is think very seriously about cutting down on carbs. On mm-hmm. rice, breads, and so on and so forth. And really changing my, especially my lunch and dinner meals, um, reorienting myself towards taking more proteins and more vegetables. And mm-hmm. I happen to love vegetables, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I've steadily actually brought down my, my glucose levels from a range that was definitely pre-diabetic to just, I think I'm just below now or just like on the threshold. Okay. And I'm still working on things. But what I've, what it's done is it's made, the, what that crisis has done for me is made it very clear that one, um, at this age, I'm 48 now, I have to be mindful about what I eat. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, it's mm-hmm. not like I was, like I was 20 years ago where I could kind of eat anything and just get away with it. Two, there is such a thing as food deserts and that's become an issue not only for, um, and by people who are sort of environmentally concerned or concerned about environmental issues and public health issues, but it's going to become a concern for me because I noticed that around me in the South Bronx, there are lots and lots of options for mediocre or bad food, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, pe- the pizza joint, mm. the two pizza joints within like two blocks of me, mm-hmm. there's, um, there's, you know, Two or three Chinese restaurants, probably four actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, a Mexican taqueria around the corner, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually healthier uh, because they tend to have really fresh ingredients and, and lettuce and tomatoes, um, mm-hmm. cilantro mixed up in the tacos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had to really, I've had to really rejigger the way I think about buying food and how much I, and how um, I how I lay out my meals and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what my resources are around me. So what I end up doing now is, and this has changed in the last year, is I used to go to um, Costco a lot, but now I also have added Trader Joe's to the mix because you can get a lot of fresh produce there and mm-hmm. some meats that are gen- organic, healthier, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, this whole sugar thing and mm-hmm. diet and 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 how it relates to my my own personal health feels like i inherited or the way i am with it now is i re- realized that i like probably both of you have inherited a kind of normalized naturalized american diet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that as we become older becomes we we we're more aware that it has endemic issues, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not the healthiest for us, um, right. especially processed foods, especially sh- foods that sodas that have a lot a ton of sugar in them. Um, you, you I walk mm-hmm. by 
almost daily, I walk by uh, a Dunkin' Donuts slash Baskin Robbins and see people carrying these like gallon jugs yeah. of drinks that are basically pure milk, sugar, and ice. And I mm. and I'm just kind of horrified uh, by that because I've had to think so seriously about this. So that's kind of where I enter the conversation. Have, yeah. Go, go ahead, <laughs> Have you seen the three liter um, sodas? The first time I walked into a store and I saw three liter soda, my heart sank because I was like, <laughs> no one needs oh, to no. have that much of that kind oh, of no. drink. Right. You know, right. so um, Travis, you going to say something? I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, you know, the, the sugar thing. And I mean, this is, you know, underlying uh, Seth's description of his diet and his, you know, sort of process of kind of reprogramming it is exactly what he said at the end, I think, which is that, you know, we have been enculturated to a particular kind of diet mm-hmm. that is fueled by not just sugar, but salt. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean sugar, and, sugar and salt are the two things that really drive mm-hmm. fast foods right. and fast food derivatives, right? right? Things that you can go to the store and just grab and throw it in the micro. Access, for you. quick, right. convenience, yes. yeah. all these yes. things that we are we, we're programmed to crave, you know? Right. Yeah. And, right. and, and I actually, you know, that, there's sort of two threads in, in your description of that. One is the the time and education to really in your area to live counter to the prevailing practice and culture right now, if you're in a, if you're in a more upscale area, those areas have started to shift to a kind of food abundance where you can get a variety of mm-hmm. healthy foods. True. And Precisely. Precisely. My, so, my, my, yeah, my part of Harlem. Yeah, absolutely. Whole, just whole foods. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's much more accessible, even if not affordable, but necessarily certainly more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a kind of, um, you, you have the tools to sort of overcome that. And then, you know, the, on the other, the other side of it is that what hath capitalism wrought, right? Mm-hmm. So it, in broadly speaking, in terms of slavery, like we've, in, in, in the podcast, we've talked about like how capitalism sort of perfect, perfected this ancient institution of slavery, right? And oh, slavery's yeah. with, been with us for thousands of years, but really capitalism and American style capitalism really perfected this, Unregulated. this human Absolutely. institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And when I say perfected, I mean, of course, it's most awful iteration, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Not in some kind of, not in some admirable way. Right. Um, but the other thing that it did and, and what was is that what what it what it drives and shapes and runs off of is this app this natural biological appetite that we have for sugar and yeah. salt we like mm-hmm, the taste mm-hmm. of it like it's just mm-hmm. we evolved mm-hmm. to 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 crave these high calorie dense calorie mm-hmm. To, you know, fruits and, and things like that because, mm-hmm. you know, they help you for the long mile when you're like, you know, trying, when you're chasing that herd of gazelle or, right. run, you know, whatever it might be, you right. know? So, right. I, I mean, in that way, like, it is really at the, the, the crux of the tension around sort of what is good and bad about mm-hmm. the capitalist system because our current obesity epidemic can actually be traced back to 1950s policy mm-hmm. in which the U.S. government greatly subsidized corn to, for the production mm-hmm. of corn syrup. Right. And they, and, and they did it, though, with actual good intention because – because starvation was a real problem in the United States in the early 20th century and the 19th century. And so they were looking for cheaper food mm-hmm. sources so that you could produce more caloric foods. And and now look what has happened as a result I mean, of we that. We still have starvation. We still have food deserts. We still have these things. I'm glad that you brought that up, though, because I was thinking about when I, when I think of sugar, I thought immediately about Tar Baby by Toni Morrison. 
Mm. And the book essentially mm-hmm. is, depending on who you ask, a, a relationship between a man and a woman who are a black man and a black woman who are trying to figure out how to be in this new world. Like they're not mm-hmm. connected to family or community in a particular kind of way. Uh, the woman is, but she sort of rejects it. And so they are in the Caribbean, a named Caribbean island with a man, a white man who's retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has built up his fortune by pr- by producing candy. Mm. He married a woman who uh. was a beauty queen and they mm-hmm. live there in, in comfort now. So son shows up and the other parts of the story I can just sort of skip over. But so they're there for Christmas and two of Valerian, this is the, um, the retired gentleman's name, has just fired two workers of his for stealing apples that were supposed to be a part of the um, celebration. And so Sun is listening to him. And so the two people that work for um, Valerian, Wandine and um, Sydney, they're like, well, you know, we could have taken care of this. This is no big deal. And it's like, well, I fired them and that's that. Mm-hmm. And so I want to read something to you. How went through mm-hmm. Sun's head <laughs> when he heard, mm-hmm. well, they did this and I let them go and that's that. Son, mm. this mm. is how Tony Morrison describes this, which I think is really interesting about how we're thinking about sugar and waste and a few other things. Son's mouth went dry as he watched Valerian chewing a piece of ham, his head of coin profile content, approving even of the flavor in his mouth, although he had been able to dismiss with a flutter of the fingers the people whose sugar and cocoa had allowed him to grow old in regal comfort, mm. although he had taken the sugar and cocoa and paid for it as though it had no value. As though the cutting of cane and picking of beans was child's play and had no value. Mm. But he turned it into candy, the invention of which was really child's play and sold it to other children and made a fortune in order to move near, but not in the midst of the jungle where the sugar cane came from and build a palace with more of their labor and then hire them to do more of the work he was not capable of and pay them again according to some scale of value that would outrage Satan himself. And when those people wanted a little of what he wanted, some apples for their Christmas, and took some, he dismissed them with a flutter of the fingers, because they were thieves. And nobody knew thieves and thievery better than he did, and he probably thought he was a law-abiding man. They all did. And they always all did, because they had not the dignity of wild animals who did not eat where they defecated, but they could defecate over a whole people and come to live and defecate some more by tearing up the land, and that is why they loved property so, because they had killed it, soiled it, defecated on it, and they loved more than anything the places that they, where they shit, would fight and kill to own the cesspools they made, and although they called it architecture, it was in fact elaborately built toilets, decorated toilets, toilets surrounded with with and by businesses and enterprise in order to have something to do in between the defecation since waste was the order of the day and was the ordering principle of the universe. And especially the Americans who were the worst because they were new at the business of defecation, spent their entire lives bathing, 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 washing away the stench of the cesspools as though pure soap had anything to do with purity. Damn. Damn. And there's more, but I want to stop there. Because wow. that's what I was thinking of when I was reading this book, um, reading um, uh, Khalil uh, Muhammad's essay, which was mm. really, really painful. But also it was like mm. when you think about what it means to, mm. like you said, it's at the crux. You mentioned that earlier, Travis. It's really at the, the crux of like really terrible capitalism 
Like mm. the and so it brought me to Sugar um A Subtlety by Kara Walker as well. Right. Mm. I right. just looked that up on my and phone. I, yeah. And I saw it yeah. twice. Yeah. And I remember yeah, her me too. taking, you know, disguising herself probably limitedly, but taking pictures of people who were in front of the back of the show. The sugar mammy. Sphinx. Yes. Right. Mm. Yeah. You know, but the, yeah. the current what what it trips me out is like I think these public installations are really important for people to get thinking about mm-hmm. the roles of labor because we mm-hmm. really have Amer- uh, we are so good at forgetting. We're so mm-hmm. we love nostalgia, but we love nostalgia whitewashed. We love it. Mm-hmm. Even black people mm-hmm. do, and you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's it's. I think at one point one can't remember. Decide to remember. It's too painful to remember, and so you doing the genealogical work that I'm trying to do right now is really hard to pull people and pull stories together. But it's we constantly need to be reminded of what happened here in a, in a mm-hmm. variety of ways through novels, through public inst- installations, through this thing with mm-hmm. 1619. These are really mm-hmm. powerful moments for us to sit there and reflect. And it continued to ha- need to happen because we're so used to be our attentions being diverted, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, th- I think of, you know, I, th- I think of nostalgia as, you know, sort of, a history in service to ideology, though. Mm. You know, I mean, this. I don't really feel mm. history's lessons are are much rougher than nostalgia oh, yeah. typically makes room for. Yes, that's um, exactly. I think even, that's not a, even typically. I mean, does make room for. I, mean, that, that's I think that's exactly. So, sorry, Travis. I think that's exactly. No, 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 Steve, no, no please jump no, in. That's, jump his, in, that's yeah. exactly Stephen's point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, no. I wasn't disagreeing. I was. I was sort of. I was trying to riff on it. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually agree completely that the. When it, when I think of nostalgia in those terms, and I think of 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 how capital and capital and you know maybe I don't even want to say capital. Maybe I want to say something. It is something mm. particular about America in in the way that Mer- America tends to perform history and tends to perform historical recollection. It tends to just be a nostalgic performance in service to you know mm-hmm. the kind of ideology. That that obscures the history that you just that you just read. I mean, and necessarily that, so. that Morrison. Could you get up in the morning? I mean, they're just yeah. the kind of things that we have to think about what the American imagination yeah. can actually take. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, because what I, you just read is a devastating critique, and I can and and what one of the things that came home to me listening to you read that was that I've known men like that. I've known men, and in mm. some ways. In some ways, my father's a bit like that. I mean, not mm. wholly, but he's the kind of person who, and he is a property owner, he's definitely the kind of per- person who would just sort of shit on people and mm. and imagine that what justified him doing that was uh-huh. that he had earned his way to the top and somehow they had mm. fucked up and hadn't. And, I'm, right. and, I, and be they were losers specific in about the game. This. What? They were losers in the game. He won. Right. 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 So that yeah. so right. So that's, you know, what what that's the way the world works mm-hmm. and it's supposed to work that way. And I remember being really dismayed when I lived in one of his buildings when I was doing my undergrad. And mm-hmm. he would constantly hire I'm not sure how to describe these men. Men that were down and out, men that were that didn't have much education, that men okay. that were the mm-hmm. way I mean, the way he would the way he had described one, at least to me, at some point, was like, "Oh yeah, I hired this crackhead." Right. So mm-hmm. you know, 
bails and, off. And, yep. and, 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 and to be fair, I've, I've used that term too. Um, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that anymore because that's really dehumanizing. But basically, he would hire these men, and and he would hire these men that were unskilled because he could just tell them what to do, and then yeah. when they when they didn't do it to his satisfaction, he could just easily dismiss again dismiss them with a sort of flick of the fingers, oh, yeah. wave of the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not important. There's a way. I, I I mean, I don't want to get too far from nutrition, but there's a way in which well, I have to imagine that the people who are on the boards of directors. Or rather, the board of directors of of companies like Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. must be aware of the epidemic <laughs> of obesity of obesity that's uh, sure, that's course. happening in the U.S. and must be aware of the contribution they're making to that epidemic, and must be aware that like they don't really give a shit. Right. That, that, so I don't think, I don't think that there, <laughs> I, I, I would, I would say that my guess would be, I mean, so if we can, if we can sort of create these fictitious board members or right, whatever right. And, and imagine right. and, and project mental states onto them, right. which I'm happy to do. Right. So, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go. We're yeah. in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I would say that it would be something like a choice, right? That they that the way that you justify producing something like ice cream, which, you know, on the spectrum of things you could produce on a mass scale in a capitalist society is, you know, sort of hedges more towards the good, yeah. you know, as yeah, far yeah. as, you know, like kids like ice cream, yeah, I like ple- ice cream. It's pleasurable, you know, yeah. Well, I'll yeah, yeah. for ice cream. Got it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, I, you know, I think, you know, w- what... At some point, and I would want to bring a little bit closer the judgments to my to myself. I'd want mm-hmm. to bring a little, those judgments a little bit closer that I have also enacted those judgments in my own life. Yeah, and that and that on some level, moving through the world. I mean, Stephen kind of touched on this. Moving through the world, you om- you almost have no choice but to use some of those shorthands and have some of those beliefs in place to move through a world of manifest inequality. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to at some point mm-hmm. but we all and, and I know that the, that you might challenge me on this and we could probably have a full podcast on it but mm-hmm. I, I I think that we all at some point have to believe in the mythology of meritocracy and in the mythology of free will. And I mean mythology with a capital M mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't find these things to necessarily be um, True. of negative consequence. I think, mm-hmm. I think mythologies can be very positive. Okay. Um, and, and I think, you know, dismissing or allowing people's choice to eat ice cream at their leisure and not be overly concer- concerned about their individual choice to overconsume it mm-hmm. is probably a world I would prefer to live in. I don't know that I would want to live in a world where institutions were regulating the amount of fat or unhealthy foods I could take in. I think, so, great, great way to end that, because I don't think, I think it's, so it's, it sort of reminds me of um, Tyler Perry movies. Tyler Perry mm. movies are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. <laughs> they, Thank you. The only redeeming <laughs> value is a lot of humor, that they're self-referential, and they're also referential to a black culture that I'm not sure they're all whites, or certain kinds of whites would know something about, Right. Hot grits in the face, Al Green. So I bring him up because I think that it's sometimes that's the only choice. And so when I think about what you just said, Travis, about the regulation, I'm not not even thinking about regulation. I'm just thinking about choice. 
So if you're mm-hmm. in a food desert, what are you eating? You know, right. and what are you exactly. doing to assuage your your feelings of anxiety or what are you know? How are you coping? So I think a lot about right. coping mechanisms, and I think a lot about um, that because it's in my family, it's with my friends, it's me struggling just to stay. I'm 53, and like you, like you, um, Seth, I've had to figure out how to eat better. When I don't feel like it, when I don't want to, you know, um, because rice tastes delicious and I want white Mm -hmm. rice, please. Thank you very much, sir. (laughs) You know, I've got a big old thing of brown rice in there and on good days, I'm, I'm, but then there's tension and there's anxiety and all these things. So I just want different kinds of choices available to people. And I think in this ruthlessness, I... I honestly feel like the kind of blinders you have to put on the the headphones or whatever it is you need to do to even just get on a fucking train in New York City and go to work yeah, yeah. is keeps you keeps you insane. But I hate it that it won't that people or even in myself, I'll just I'll put it on myself. I never want to stop being surprised or want to stop being disgusted or, or stop being something so that it it stops me from seeing people. Right. Yeah. And I think. Mm-hmm. In the in the neighborhood where I'm at right now, they call it Central Harlem, depending on what um, uh, real estate agent wants to call it now, <laughs> because of <laughs> gentrification, is mm. that there is a proliferation of people who are home stressed or homeless, and I see more people mm. now than ever, mm. and so yeah. I don't want to look not look at them. Do you know? Mm. I may not have yeah. anything to yeah. give people, but I make myself look because I'm like going you. You can't. I can't go through this life thinking that somebody didn't do it right, <laughs> and that that's why they're in that position. I mean, fucking right, sixteen nineteen right. is just a drop in the barrel, um, sort of describing these institutional racism, but also mass um, poorness, just poorness, just not in, yeah. and with black specifically with sixteen nineteen, but just in general but poverty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, we've been but, watching yeah. this happen for like a long time, and so. Our job is to be more sensitive and be more proactive and be more thoughtful about it and, wh- and help whatever way we can and not to go crazy doing it. <laughs> yeah. So what I yeah. want to say is, 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 and this is sort of um, uh, apropos to what you just said, Stephen, uh, but I want to, uh, only sort of, I really want to address what Travis had sort of laid out as a sort of... Um, binary options for the world in which he would like to live in. And I want to say, I don't, I think that's kind of a false choice. I mean, I don't think that it's about either regulation from an institution or from a government or by the state Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. a kind of free for all where it's about the pleasure principle um, Mm -hmm. or profit motive driving us. I think there's a kind of, there's another option, a third way, which is just acculturation towards the things that are kind of healthy. So uh, a sort of easy way to say this is, or easy analogy is, when I go to like, um, well, yeah, when, I, when I've been in France, uh-huh. like I've been in certain parts of France where the diet is just healthier. Like it's just, it, it just mm-hmm. isn't an emphasis on processed foods, on, on overly sweet things. Um, mm-hmm. they're just fizzy drinks. They're just not treated as treats. They're just not. They're mm-hmm. just like, it's possible to find them on a, on a menu here and there. But mm-hmm. mostly it's just the culture has acculturated itself towards mm-hmm. really liking things like artichokes or uh, what, what you call it, um, uh, Brussels sprouts that are uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, fried in butter. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they're 
there, I think one of those true difficulties about being a citizen of the United States is that we are enveloped by this ideology of personal choice. The notion that, that, that where we start as human beings is in, is in our ability to, to have, in our agency, right? Is in our ability to choose to have this drink or that drink or that, uh, uh, that fast mm-hmm. food, uh, uh, option or the other one. As opposed to thinking about just acculturating ourselves to a whole other set of options. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to, for example, I want to live in a neighborhood where there's a community garden. I want to live mm-hmm. in a, in a neighborhood mm-hmm. where I can go to that community garden or farmer's market on, on Saturday and buy fresh produce and that be a thing that is normalized and naturalized. And I get it. Mm. I, I know that this is like very class-based and all of that. Lock him up. Lock him up. Lock him up. Lock him up. <laughs> so, I, so I get that, right? Yeah. Right. But, but, right. But there's, I think one of the ways, and I think people are already starting to do this, but one of the ways that we can sort of get around this sort of binary option is to like think about forming different kinds of communities. Oh, nice. So, nice, yeah. So I am a thousand percent in agreement with what you just said. But I feel like the critique that you started to offer, mm. it implies the other. So mm. when you purport to lay responsibility or suggest, you didn't, you didn't lay it out completely, but I feel like this is implied. When you suggest that the responsibility for something like Baskin Robbins or let's, you didn't name these, but like, you know, McDonald's or other, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken with its like, you know, like, like fried chicken buns and, you know, right. like stuff in the middle. Stop. So, but 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 when you when you lay the blame for that or suggest that the blame for that lies within the corporate boardroom mm-hmm. and the profit motive for those people, mm-hmm. I I feel like you are strongly implying and assuming an institutional critique and one in which that shapes individuals' behaviors. And if that's where you're starting, then I feel like the 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 next step in that argument is we need to curb these institutions because they're shaping individual behavior mm. too much and so i don't I, the, the the argument that you just laid out though i'm entirely in favor of and i do believe that it's enculturation and in this i would draw on stuff that steven has said in various podcasts that maybe we're just in the midst of growing pains mm. and maybe you know like we f- we fucked up in the 50s and went mm-hmm. like oh let's you know let's subsidize all this sugar mm-hmm. like this is no one will ever start and went holy Credit shit everyone, everyone is fat yeah. and dying and like what mm-hmm. do we do now mm-hmm. and and we're now kind of adjusting back in the other direction and mm-hmm. maybe in you know in in my most hopeful iteration not that i would even bet on this but in 150 years Maybe you show up in the Bronx and it's what you describe. Mm. Seth, maybe there are community gardens and maybe people are eating, you know, their version of artichokes mm-hmm. prepared in whatever particular way because we figured out like, hey, we don't want all these people dying uh, with uh, with all of these, you know, obesity-related diseases. And, so, uh, and just just to put a finer point on that, you do understand that in 150 years I'll be dead, right? You know that. <laughs> I, <thought you> <laughs> I know I'm going to be dead. I just don't know if you know I'm going to be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Be You'll dead. be dead. I'll be dead. We'll right, be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we might want... An educated, theoretically an educated, um, healthy person, but we need to really think about what, how that a more thoughtful, less um, conspicuous consumerism, what 
I know what I want to say. But, but, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I think that we we're not we're not educated consumers on mass. Mm, we're yeah, not. Yeah. And we yeah, also sure. we also that's live true. in a culture where I mean Christianity in terms of sort of being apocalyptic, you know, I'll get my reward in heaven, don't have to worry nothing about here. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And it's not all Christianity, of course, they're different um um different sects and whatnot. But I think a lot about what would make someone care about somebody else that's not a, close to them, right? Right. And how to imagine that community. Like you, right. I, I'd like living in community. I came from Ohio and we lived in a community. But yeah. and when I moved here, though, because I'm a loner and because I mm. like space, mm. I, I mediate those spaces where I'm, you know, I say hello to everybody that looks at me. How you doing or whatever. And, you mm. know, because that's how I grew up. But also because I do, I crave that connection. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder how to build community in a way that allows for one to be healthy in a way that doesn't constantly compromise their individuality mm-hmm. or and, and, and not individuality in a sense where you could just I, I choose to buy something. Now I'm talking about something a lot more and more intent, intense intense mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. communities at times feed upon each other <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know and they need pariahs they need to know how to act so Seth's mm-hmm. over there mm-hmm. fucking all these women whatever we're not like him we're these people we're good mm-hmm. god-fearing people mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so I think about communities mm-hmm. I want to like I want to imagine different kinds of communities that allow for the spaces for people to grow for this thing mm-hmm. to contract and grow mm-hmm. you know Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we're we're up on time, but Seth, do you want to have the last words? Do you have anything you want to? So if 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 anyone this you want to lend a hand to hoisting the conversation back into what was our ostensible theme? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think that what we did was that we came around to thinking really seriously about how one's own sort of um, nutritional values or or health connects to these larger questions of, one, um, corporate stewardship, um, the profit mm-hmm. motive, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. governmental sort of um, oversight, and community building. And I think that mm-hmm. what we're saying is that ultimately we're in a, we're in a sort of one of those interstitial places where mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're moving from an old paradigm, slowly but surely, moving from an old paradigm that was at least in terms of basic nutritional values, bad for us, ultimately, Mm -hmm. right? High caloric, lots of sugar, lots of salt. And we're trying, in that moment of growing pains, we're trying to figure out how to be different. And we we understand that these sort of interlocking pieces that will have to come together in some Mm -hmm. ways to make that difference manifest, right? So governments, institutions, um, corporations, Local communities. Um, mm-hmm. I think also we haven't talked about this. Um, there's certain, I guess, what I would call art um, projects, art movements that mm. look to also do that to 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 form undergird that movement towards creating a community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but what's cu- encouraging is at least we are having these conversations in in the very places where we live. So like mm-hmm. in central Harlem, in the South Bronx, mm-hmm. I think in Southern California too, people are starting to say, oh, right, we can't live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's unsustainable. That, yeah. Exactly. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's a good place to start. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and that it directly leads back to the history of the cultivation of sugar and slavery. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that these choices, like we, we are constrained and led and, and forced into into these kind of choices and these kind of struggles because of that. I mean, direct line. No, That's direct right. line. Direct line. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. Thanks, my friends, very much for the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'll uh, speak to you next week. All right. Take care. Yes.